Well, I love, uh, I love what Josh said a little bit earlier. Dads, we love you. We're thankful for you. And here at Grace, dads hold a huge place. And you're not the butt of the joke here at Grace. We value, respect you, and we see your investments in your children, your families as massively important. And uh, so we want to recognize that today and say a happy Father's Day to you. Thanks, of course, for being here in the room. Or if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. And uh, love that we get to jump into this next conversation we've been in just the last few weeks now. We kind of started it by looking at Jesus, and we said that this series, The Most Interesting Man in the World, is all about him. It's all about Christ and taking a look at who Jesus is, kind of from a different lens or different angle. And we said no matter where you land on the faith spectrum, uh, if you have been growing up in church, you've been here for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, or if maybe you're on the other end where you're just investigating Jesus, and you're saying, I don't even know what I think yet about the whole Jesus thing. If you land anywhere in between those, you've you got to be able to stop and look and say, I admit it, Jesus has made an unbelievable impact on the planet. If you look at what he's done over the last 2,000 years, it's absolutely unbelievable that his short 33-year life would reverberate unbelievable impact and change that would have a really a global shockwave that would go all throughout the planet. And today, just thinking through it, if you would look, there are people that speak all kinds of languages on all kinds of countries that would look and say, Jesus is my number one priority. Like, I look at Jesus and whatever he thinks, I'm in. I want to follow him. He's my God. He's my Lord and my Savior. And then if you would scan over the globe and look all over, there are buildings like the one we're trying to build in Mazatlan, where there are buildings dedicated to knowing Jesus and saying, boy, I want to learn about that person. All the way to our calendar and how our holidays work, the impact that Jesus has is immeasurable. He is everywhere, and his thoughts and his words and his life has shaped so much of what we do and how we think. Now, most of us, no matter where we land on the faith spectrum, would be able to look and kind of recognize the big picture items that would happen in Jesus' life, right? We, we would know that he'd been born of a, a virgin, that he died on a cross, that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, and we would be generally familiar with that story, at least somewhat, uh, but most of us would probably have a harder time if we were pressed to really describe who Jesus is, what his personality was like, right? What made him tick? What it would have been like to be with him at dinner or to watch him interact with somebody who was hurting or somebody that he disagreed with? Like, what, what was Jesus like? And what would it have been like to know him personally or to be one of his disciples and really watch his life play out? And we want to look at Jesus kind of from that angle. We want to see what he has done and who he is. And we get to look through the eyes of one of his good buddies, uh, the Apostle John. Right? He would have been one of Jesus' key disciples. He was probably Jesus' best friend. And he would have wrote an account. He wrote an account of uh, his life, just like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are four guys that would have wrote what we call a gospel account. It's a story, or kind of a take on the life of Jesus. And John set his up in a really specific way. Uh, John would have set out to show us seven signs that Jesus would have performed. They're kind of miracles that Jesus would have performed. He's going to lay those out for us, and basically he's going to say, here, I want you to see what Jesus has done, and then I want to leave the burden kind of in your lap. I've decided to follow Jesus. I, right? I follow him. He's my friend. He's my Lord and my Savior. Now I want you to decide. What do you want to do with Jesus? Here's what he did. Here's what he said. Here's who he is. Now you decide. 
What are you going to do with the most interesting man in the world, we could say? And so that's what we're doing in the course of this series, kind of looking at John, looking at Jesus through his eyes and diving into these different signs. We started this a few weeks ago, and so if you missed those first conversations, we kind of laid a foundation. Pastor Jeff opened us up and kind of laid out, here's who Jesus is from a theological lens. He's God. He's also man. He's a member of the Trinity. What does that all mean? How does that work? He talked us through that in the first conversation. And then last week, we dug in pretty deep into that first sign where Jesus turned water into wine and some of the, the major significance of what that all meant. All right, so if you miss any of those, catch up online, graceohio.org, or of course, you can catch our YouTube channel and uh, watch all those or listen for free and uh, catch up there. What we want to do today, of course, is kind of dive into the next sign. And we're going to look at a really fascinating story uh, where Jesus is going to interact with a man and his boy who has become sick, kind of a, a father and son situation where the man's going to request that Jesus does something pretty profound for his boy. And we're going to dive into this in John chapter 4. I'm going to read through the whole story, and then we're going to come back and kind of break it apart uh, one piece at a time. So here's where we are, John chapter 4, verses 46 through 53. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open that up and follow along and kind of read through it with me. We're going to be there um, most of the day together. If you don't have a Bible, not a big deal at all. You can grab one from underneath the chairs there right in front of you. It's page 742 in those Bibles. And actually, you can take that home with you. If you need a copy of the Bible, we would love just to give that to you as a gift and say thanks for being here. And uh, that Bible can now be yours. Okay, John chapter 4. Here is John talking about Jesus. Here's what he says. Let me read through it. Starting in verse 46, he says this. He says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and to heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word, and he departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left. Then the father realized that this is the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so there's kind of the big picture, right? That, that Jesus was going to interact with this guy. He's going to heal his son. This supernatural interaction happened. We're going to dive into that here in a second. But, but even before we do, I want to make a comment on something that we would see all over the place if we were to take a deep look at Jesus' life. Right, if you were to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you're going to see all over the place is Jesus interacting with people who are sick and hurting and healing them. So the, he's going to cause the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. And all over the place, you think, wow, Jesus is healing people kind of like left and right. There's these supernatural interactions that's going on. And, and we would know that I'm a Christ follower. I believe that Jesus today is at the right hand of God, that he's still alive. And so you might wonder, if you're a thinking person, does Jesus continue to heal today? Like, does he still do that now? And that's a very valid question because some of us, we have things we would love for God to heal in our lives. 
right, physically, and we have people in our lives that we would love to have Jesus heal. So the question is, does he do that? And, and I would look at you and say, yes, Jesus does continue to heal. He does supernaturally heal at times, and you may know the story of someone who has been healed supernaturally, right? Maybe even if you're in the medical field, you've watched it play out, and there's no real explanation. Just that person was sick, and now they're not anymore. God continues to do that. Jesus continues to do that. And then we would look and say, but he doesn't always do it. He doesn't heal every person who asks him to heal. He doesn't save or, or kind of interject the natural process of disease taking hold of a life. And I would look at you and say, if you ask me, Ryan, why is that? I would look back and say, I don't know. I don't know how it works, how it is that God heals that person and not this one, and why it all plays the way that it does. I just know Jesus is able to do it, and in his wisdom, it is beyond mine, somehow he has a reason or a purpose for how it all plays out. Now, it's important that if anyone ever tells you, Ryan, they look at you and like they were talking to me and they say, listen, if you want to have healing in your life, all you got to do is give this amount of money or all you got to do is you need to believe more, right? If you really believe, if you really sacrifice, then you're going to get God to do something for you. Look, that stuff is not true. That's garbage. The natural process of how this life works is that our bodies break down and they eventually pass from this earth. God can interact, but we have no ability to manipulate that. I can request, and if God wants to work, he can. Okay? Super important that we recognize that. Can Jesus heal? Yes. Does he always? No. And why? I'm not even sure how it works. Right? But in the wonder of God, I want to trust that he knows best. Now, back to our story. Right? We're going to look at this at a big picture level. We want to see what happens here. This is what's kind of playing out. This guy, this Roman official, royal official, would have been uh, probably not a Jewish guy. He probably wouldn't have followed the traditions of the Jewish people and had their faith. He probably would have had a ton of resources, financial resources. And my guess is that this guy would have done everything he knew how to do to save his boy. Right? Like any good dad, like any of us would do, right, fathers? That they were probably, he probably would have exhausted every medical resource that was available to him. And now he's come to his end, right? The end of what he's able to control or change or manipulate. And now his boy is sick and he's out of options. And here's what, pretty sure what, I'm, what has happened. I'm pretty sure this is how it's played out. He probably would have heard that Jesus showed up in Cana in Galilee. Almost certainly he would have heard that Jesus changed water into wine. Probably would have heard that rumor pass through and it probably made his way to him. So this royal official would have looked and said, I'm out of options. I'm not sure what to do for my son. He's, he's going to die. So he makes a decision, a faith decision. Really, I think this is an act of great faith. He makes the decision to leave his boy behind, travel about 15 miles, and go be with Jesus, who evidently has rays coming out of his head. <laughs> Just so you know, if you ever wondered, Jesus didn't actually have a halo. Right? And if that's surprising to you, we should talk after. Right? Like, that's the thing. Right? But he makes his way to Jesus. And, and essentially, what he's going to do, the scripture tells us, is this. He went to him, and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So he goes to this Jewish rabbi, and he begs him, will you come back to my hometown with me? And, and will you come back and will you heal my boy? 
you've probably, this royal official has heard of other people, holy men maybe, who had prayed. And, and if they showed up and actually like laid their hands on a sick person and prayed, sometimes they became better. They got healed. Maybe he'd heard of something like that. And so he asked Jesus to do that in his life. Now, I don't know about you, right? But, but if I was Jesus and I was receiving this man, this royal official who's humbling himself before Christ and he's begging him, will you come and save my boy? I can only imagine kind of pastorally how I would respond to a parent in that situation, to a father in that situation. I would imagine that, that if somebody came to me and said that, I would look back at them and say, oh, I'm so sorry. And if I had the, the means of the ability to, to make that better, I would say, I'll be there as soon as I can. And we would almost expect Jesus to say something like that. As I was studying this week, it kind of blew my mind a little bit when I watched how Jesus responded to this. Right? Watch it with me. Here's what he says. He goes a little different direction. Jesus says this. He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. If I was one of Jesus' disciples and I watched Jesus say that to a parent in that situation, I would have been like, Jesus, you're not allowed to say stuff like that, man. Like, you just broke like every pastoral rule there is in the book. Like, if, if one of our interns did that, I'd be like, fired, right? You're out of here. Like, you can't talk to me. It, it, and you wonder, what's going on here? At first glance, if we read this passage, you might think, is Jesus, like, is he blowing this guy up? Is he rebuking him? Is he frustrated with him? Is he being insensitive? What's going on here? It's a, it's a perfectly valid question. And here's what I would tell you. Jesus is not frustrated with this man. He's not looking at him and saying, all you want to do is, is have me do something for you. You're trying to use me. He's not frustrated. This man's heart is broken, and he wants him to heal his boy. Because we know that, right? We know that this is the heart of God. Elsewhere in Scripture, we, we would hear things like this. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God wants us to bring our anxieties to him. Jesus would look at us today and say, listen, if you're overwhelmed and if you're burdened, I'm always available for you to come to me and to share that with me, to transfer your burden to my shoulders so I'm able to carry that for you. So at first glance, you wonder, is there a contradiction here? Jesus is, is almost, it looks like he's rebuking this guy. And elsewhere, we would see scripture say, hey, if you have anxiety, bring it to me, right? Jesus elsewhere would say, come to me, all you who are, who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you a rest. So what's going on? What's happening here? What's happening behind the scenes that it's hard for us to see? Let me walk it through with you because I think it's a little bit deeper than we, look, we see at first glance. The primary thing that this man, this royal official, is trying to get Jesus to do, track this, is not heal his son. The primary thing that this guy is getting Jesus to do is to make a 15-mile trip back home with him so that he can physically be present and he can watch Jesus heal his son because that's the only amount of faith this man has at this point. This guy can't even imagine that Jesus could do anything other than physically be present 
to heal his boy. Of course, that's how it had to play out. When Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, what he means is that, just that, unless you actually see it with your own eyeballs, unless you witness it, you're not going to believe. Walk with me. I'm going to show you a different story, a contrasting story that's going to help this make a ton of sense. There's another guy in a different situation. Pause this story, right? This other guy is going to come to Jesus in a very similar situation, and and he has a very different response. Watch how it works. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, this would have been a a, a royal, kind of a military guy that oversaw about 100 soldiers. He would have people above him and people under him. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Very similar situation. One person interceding for another person who's very, very sick, and they come to Jesus for help. Right? With me so far. Jesus says to him, shall I come and heal him? Jesus isn't frustrated with this guy. He's not annoyed that he's asking him to heal his buddy. He actually offers to go to his house and heal him. Should I come over? Should I do that for you? The centurion replied, Lord, watch the difference. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes. I tell this one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The centurion somehow is able to look at Jesus and say, listen, I'm a man under authority. I'm military. I know how this works. If I have an order, I give an order, it's going to be followed. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I recognize your authority. You don't, have to go to, you don't have to go to my house. I'm not even worried to have you do that. You can heal my servant from right here. You have the authority to do that. See, this man recognizes he, he doesn't need Jesus here. His faith is upsized. He sees Jesus for who he really is. He recognizes the power and the authority that Jesus has somehow. And he knows that Jesus is able And I love what this says, right? He says, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed by this man's faith. If you're going to make it in the Bible, you want to be this guy, right? Like, you want to be the guy that blew Jesus' hair back with your faith. And that's what the centurion did. Now, go back to our other story, right, with, with the boy. What Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to call this man to that kind of faith. To centurion kind of faith, we could say. Look at this, look at this royal official, and he would look at him and, and he would think, oh, don't, don't you know I can do more for you than you can even imagine? I can do more for you than you're even asking me to do. I don't need to go to your house. You, you don't need to be able to see it. I have the ability to heal in ways that are beyond your comprehension. Now, it's fascinating is that the man really misses it, right? He misses the point of what Jesus is trying to communicate. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. He's still there. He's still, his mission is to get Jesus to come home with him. Okay? And he, he's, he's stuck on that a little bit. 
right? It's classic. He misses the whole point. Jesus is gracious with him, right? He's not frustrated with him. He knows he's going to figure it out later. And Jesus is going to look at him and say, go, your son will live. Now, the man has an important decision to make right now. Because this man showed up. I don't know if he was married or if he told somebody else he was going to go leave his sick kid behind, risk that child dying while he wasn't there to go talk to some Jewish rabbi who might be able to heal his boy. But no matter what, he's thinking, i got to get Jesus and bring him home. I'm taking him home. That is the mission. Right? This, this is classic guy stuff. I love it. Right? Like when I go shopping, I have a list. Okay? And on that list, there are things. I'm going to get all of the things on the list in as little amount of time as humanly possible. You know, and if there's casualties along the way, if people get knocked over, so be it. You know what I mean? Small children, elderly, boom, I am on a mission, right? This thing is happening right now. That's this guy. He's like, my mission is to get Jesus and then bring him home so that my son can be healed. Jesus is pressing into that. And now the man has to make a decision, do I keep digging my heels in or do I drop my shopping list, so to say? Do I drop my plan, my strategy, my approach to this? And do I listen to his words and believe them? Right? Big deal. Right? It's a big deal that he's wrestling with right here. And I want us to take notice of something. Right? Jesus says, go, your son will live. In essence, Jesus told this man no, right? What, what really to his prayer request, so to say. This guy was asking Jesus, will you go home with me? Jesus basically said, no. I'm going to do more than what you're asking me to do. I'm going to supersede your prayer request. This is something I want us to draw from this conversation, right? Here's the thing I recognize. What Jesus wants to do in our lives is often more significant than what we're asking him to do. Right? What Jesus wants to do in our lives is often more significant than what we're asking him to do. Because I can only see so far. I can only see my life so much. And what God's wanting to do is even more than my highest prayers or my most audacious requests, right? We look at, I don't know, I'm this way too. We look at Jesus and we're like, Jesus, will you do this in my life? This thing that would blow my mind. And he's like, oh, that's nice, right? There's a little request. Here's what I want to do in your life. It's funny, even thinking about this through, through the lens of Father's Day, Lori and I, we just hit our 16-year anniversary. We got married pretty young. And uh, right away, my wife wanted to have kids, Lori. She's like, let's, let's have kids. She's kind of made to be a mom, you know? And I was nervous. I was nervous about being a dad. I was. I mean, my, my dad left when I was little. Uh, he lived out of state. I barely ever saw him. And, and I was a little gun shy about pursuing building the family, right? I just had made the, the marriage decision. I'm like, all right, I'm in for this, but I'm a little bit... I'm a little worried even about myself going into this. Now you're talking about being a dad, having children. What's that going to be like? And I'm an only child. I don't even know what this whole, whole like, how do you have multiple kids and do that whole thing? And I'm going to be responsible for someone else's life? Ugh, right? Kind of freaked me out. And so I pumped the brakes on it with Lori. Right? I was like, let's, let's slow this thing down a little bit. You know? And I was hesitant and I was fearful. Right, and we went through about four years of infertility, and during that time, the Lord started to change my heart and wanted, you know, eventually I wanted to have kids almost at the same level that Lori did. 
But back here in the beginning, before we started to really pursue it, I would have looked and said, what I want for myself is I want a life that's marked by doing whatever I want to do. Didn't have kids in it. (laughs) Right? Let's be married. Let's have fun. It's going to be awesome. Years and years later now, I would look back as a dad today and say, and there is no higher joy than I have than being a father to my children. My kids look at me and say, Dad, what's your favorite thing to do? And I say, hang out with you guys. It's my favorite thing. Right? God, God wanted to give me something that was far more significant than what I wanted for myself. See, this is happening all the time in our interactions with God. And I'm, I'm looking at God saying, God, will you, will you just give me a raise? Will you just give me more money? Would you make my life more comfortable, more easy? And God might be looking back at you and saying, hey, how, how about I make your life, instead of making it comfortable, I'm going to make you a comfort to others so that you can experience the joy and the blessing of giving instead of receiving. Instead of making your life easier, I'm going to make your life significant. You want to just have a normal, pain-free, easy life I want, I want to make your life significant. I want to cause your life to matter in the lives of other people in ways you can't even imagine. And God's, God's doing this all the time. God, God, Jesus often wants to do much more, things that are much more significant than what we could even ask or imagine, much more than we're asking him to do right now. And that was certainly true in this man's life. As he's interacting with Jesus, he has this decision to make, Am I going to cling to my plan, my agenda, my strategy? Am I going to release it and trust your words and listen to what you say, Jesus? It's beyond my ability to forecast what you're even saying here. I'm just going to look at at what you said, and I'm going to put my faith in it. And this is exactly what the man does. It's fascinating. He doesn't dig in. Somehow he's able to have faith. And listen to this verse. I love this. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. This royal official shows up on a mission, lays the mission down because Jesus said so. Go, your son will live. He took him at his word. He said, all right, I'm in. Never seen anybody or even imagined anyone healing someone from a town away. But what a choice do I have? I'm going to trust you. And he leaves. And he makes his way back for his hometown. Now... This man starts to take off, right? And the the next day, he starts to make his way back home. And I'm sure that's what's in his mind is he's starting to wonder, what's happening with my son? Right? Somewhere in there, I'm sure there's a mix of both hope and dread. As he he makes his way home and starts that journey, there's got to be a part of him that wonders, is this thing real? Am I going to find my son deceased when I go home. And there's a part of him that was probably clinging to the words of Jesus, saying, this might really be real. He might be, he might be healed. I might find my boy awake and alive and vibrant. And on that journey, what we know from the story is that as he's on that road, that his servants are on the other side coming towards him. They're making their way in this 15-mile journey back to him. And somewhere along the way here, 
I'm pretty sure what would have happened is this royal official would have seen them at a distance. And I wonder what would have went through his mind. Did he think, oh no, they're coming to tell me my boy is gone? When he saw their expression, did he know it right away? When he saw the joy on their face and realized the man's words were true. Jesus is real. Here's what scripture says. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. It happened, right? He was healed. It's real, right? Everybody's dancing and partying, right? Right? I love this. This is fantastic. This is how it would look. Right? So, so they find each other. They realize that the boy is alive. My boy lives. And after that initial shock wave of joy, right, and happiness and tears that are probably shared between them, the guy remembers the words of Jesus. Right? And in his mind, he's trying to figure out, is this just a coincidence or is, or is this Jesus guy for real? Did he do this? Watch, watch what the story says. When he inquired as of the time... When his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this is the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This is amazing. This is fascinating how this works. The man believed in the very beginning when he went and he left his sick boy in his bed on the verge of death, he, he really believed when he went to go find Jesus the first time. And then he believed deeper when he took Jesus at his word and departed. But there's still, right, there's still some doubt in there. And then he believed Jesus at the deepest level when he saw God work in a way that is beyond his explanation. He knew it wasn't a coincidence. He confirmed that, and he was blown away. His faith was strengthened. I think this is a great truth that we can all cling to, right? One of the things that strengthens our faith the most is when we see Jesus and how he's working in our lives and how he's answering our prayers. Because, like, this is how it works for everybody. You've ever, you ever been in a desperate situation you prayed for something and then time has passed and then God does it and then you're like, wait a minute. Did God actually answer that prayer or was that just a coincidence? Like, is this thing for real? Like, does, when I pray, does God actually hear that? And does God actually do things in my life because I ask him to? Could he actually love me that much? We all wonder that stuff. We all wonder if God is actually working in our lives or if it's just some, kind of some freak incident, some coincidence, some accident that it happened to play out this way. When I can actually see that it's God working in me and around me and through me, my faith grows like crazy. And here's what I would tell you today. The, the trial that you're in the middle of right now, that you're wrestling with, it's not an accident. The, 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 the person that God has put in your life to encourage you in your faith, that's not a coincidence. That's God. God is working in you and working on you, and he's doing the same thing in my life. The fact that you showed up at church today, on Father's Day, 
or maybe that you turned, tuned in online and you, you paused and watched this conversation. It's not an accident. You know what? I can almost guarantee you that that's an answer to someone else's prayer. That someone in your life has probably been praying for you to find Jesus because they love Jesus and they love you. I discovered this after I came to know Jesus, that there's a, a family member in my life that prayed for me every day for almost 20 years before I said yes to Christ. See, that's God working in us. It's working in deeper and more profound ways than we even realize. And when I can see it, when I can look for it, when I watch the answered prayer happen and recognize that this isn't a coincidence, this is God working, my faith grows like crazy. It's exactly what happened to this man. He recognized that Jesus is working in his life, answered his prayer, and he's blown away by the whole thing. Now, say, so Ryan, what, what's kind of the, what's the big takeaway to this thing? Right, because we, we know Jesus, he healed this boy from a town away. Supernatural miracle, awesome. What do I do with this? How do I take it home? Here's where I think the big point is. It's this. The, the kind of faith that Jesus celebrates is a believe-first faith. It's a believe-first faith. Right? First, I want to take him in his word, and then I want to watch him in his work. All of us want to see God work first. And say, oh, yeah, if, I, God, if you do this in my life, then I'll believe you. If you give me the job, if you come through for me, if you make this happen, then I'll believe. I did that, actually, before I was a follower of Jesus. I would have called myself an atheist at one point in high school, and I, and I would have made, tried to make deals with God and barter with him. It doesn't work. God wants us to believe first, even if our faith is small, to look at what Jesus said and say, I'm going to trust your word and trust your voice first. I want to look at you and say, Jesus, if you said it, I believe it. I'm in. Like this man did, even though his faith grew along the way. A, a you said Jesus, a believe first faith is the driver, I think, of what Jesus is getting at here. One of the things I find absolutely fascinating, I've got four kids, or right? I'm a dad, when I look at my kids, I don't have to teach my kids to believe my words. You ever notice that? Like if I went home today and said, hey, kids, guess what? We're going to get on a plane in an hour, and we're going to fly to Australia, and it's going to be an awesome family vacation. You know what my kids would do? They would jump up and down, right? They would be like, yeah, this is amazing. We're going on vacation right now. You know what they wouldn't do? They wouldn't look at me and question, Dad, are you serious? Is this going to happen? Right? My kids are between 5 and 11, and they, 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 they think, boy, if my dad said that, it's going to happen. It's as good as gold. You know what they wouldn't do? They, they wouldn't look at me and say, Dad, how is this all going to work out? How are we going to afford this? <laughs> Did you use a booking agent? Are we flying Delta? Like what? They, they're not going to dig into the details and need to know how it works. You know what they know? Dad said it. I'm in. Simple faith. 
believe first faith. They go start packing their stuff. Dad, can I bring my... Yep, we're going. And they'd be in. That's what God's looking for from us. Do you need to see to believe? Or is is it enough to say, you said it, I believe it. I can run with that. He says, I'm looking again in a fresh way at the man, Jesus Christ. I don't want to miss one thing that Jesus said, one promise that he's made to me. I I want to know what he said, and I want to believe it. Like a child, like my child would do with me. I'm a human. I'm a broken man. I can fail my word, and I do sometimes. But Jesus' word will never fail. He's the one who's able to heal a boy across the town with a word. So can we do this? So Ryan, what would this look like? I, I want to be able to look at Jesus and his words and cling to them like a little kid would. Jesus, you, you said, when I'm feeling lonely and when I'm feeling abandoned and I'm feeling lost in this world, Jesus, you said you would never leave me or forsake me. I want to hold you to that. I, I can endure this life because that's true. Lord, you, you said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So I'm going to lean into generosity. I'm going to believe that because you said it's true. You said that if I want to find my life in this life, I need to lose it. So Jesus, I'm going to risk for you. I'm going to lay my life down the way that you've called me to because you told me that. I'm in. I believe it. When I feel rejected and abandoned, when I feel small and lonely, I can look and say, you called me a child. You called me your son or daughter. You've adopted me into your family. You said it, I'm in. I'm going to be able to look and say, when I've sinned, when I've blown it, Jesus, you said that you're faithful and you're just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When my past comes up and haunts me and I feel unworthy to be a father or to be the role that I'm carrying in life, I can look and say, Jesus, you told me, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's no condemnation, that the old has gone, the new has come. I have a clean slate, that it won't be held against me, that my sins are as far as the east is from the west. You said, oh, I want to live like that. I want to believe like that. Because if Jesus is real and he can heal from a town away, me running my life starts to not make that much sense. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to know how all the details are going to work out. It doesn't have to make sense. I want to just be able to to look at Jesus' voice and say, I'm in. You said it, faith first. And I want to watch God work after the fact. See, if Jesus can do this, he can turn water into wine and he can heal a boy a town away, what could he do in your life or in my life or in the lives of the people that we love if we actually took him at his word like this official did? We believed him. 
that hearing the voice of Jesus isn't just something we do because we're part of a religious club. Reading his truth is not something we do to check off a list and be part of a set of religious activities. That's dumb. Jesus has spoken and he is real and his words change things. They're a reality. I wonder today what words Jesus has spoken that you're wrestling with, you're having a hard time believe. Can you believe today that you are forgiven or you can be forgiven if you trust Jesus? Can you believe that, that Jesus hears your prayers, that he would go so far as to say, ask whatever you want in my name and it'll be done, that, that is of his will that he'll do it, that he loves you enough to care for the small parts of your life that you come to him with? Can you believe that? Dads, can you believe that you're called to be the head of the household? Whether you feel worthy or not, are you believing first that leaning into that role, leading the way, pointing your family to the person of Jesus, setting an example and setting the spiritual pace matters as you, by faith, look at what Jesus has said and say, I don't feel worthy to be the head, but I will because you said I could be. You said I need to be. I wonder today if you look, if you're dating, you'd say, my, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm going to, by faith, choose not to join it to someone outside of marriage in a sexual way. Choose that that's wisdom from you. I wonder what, what words Jesus has said that you would wrestle with. Would you look at what he said and like a child, hear it with new ears and believe it with an open heart? And would you see the passion that Jesus has for us because his words set us free? As the band comes out, can we do that? Would you wrestle with Jesus directly? He is the most interesting man in the world. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we want to we want to hear your voice, Lord, in a different way. Lord, a deeper way. More open way. And we, we don't want to have to see it first, Lord. We want to believe you. Would you help us with that? God, help us to believe that you love us with abandon. You're passionate about our heart and our soul and our mind and our worries and our cares. Help us to believe that you hear our prayers. That your way is the best way to live. Lord, would you help us to lay down our plans, our strategies? And like this man in the story, to, to take you at your word and to depart. Jesus, would you help us with that today? Speak to us even now.
Jesus. In your name we pray, Christ.